It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.07 in News Talk WSB. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful in your landscape, in your lawn, with your trees, with your shrubs, with anything that you have that you want to make grow better or you want to kill or get rid of, you can call. 404-872-0750 is the number, and you can call and get your question answered. I am here to help, and I am here at the Cobb Galleria for the Spring Atlanta Home Show. And as you know, the Spring Atlanta Home Show is a big, big deal. Hundreds of vendors here of people who want to give you opportunities to beautify your home, to beautify your landscape, to, uh, let's see, the Superside folks are over there. You have the SCI folks over here in front of me. The mattress people are down around the corner. The gutter people are over there. We've got the full, full lineup of home improvement folks here at the Spring Atlanta Home Show at the Cobb Galleria. And, of course... You can come and see the show this morning if you get here before 9 a.m. Before 9 a.m., if you get to the Cobb Galleria before 9 a.m., and know the password. The password is Floor and Decor. Since there are sponsors here at the show, the Floor and Decor is your, is your password. And just say that, get in to see the show here for free. Watch Dave Baker for a little bit between 9 and 10 this morning. And then the doors to the Spring Atlanta Home Show open. All you have to do, get here before 9 a.m. Again, the phone number, 404-872-0750. Things are breaking out all over Atlanta. In other words, plants are blooming all over Atlanta. And one of the plants that I most enjoy seeing and most enjoy the puzzlement, I guess, on gardeners' faces when they ask me, Mr. Reeves, what is that big green shrub with the huge green flowers and the flowers look like a hydrangea. What is that? 10 feet tall, eight feet wide, what could that be? It is not a hydrangea. Hydrangeas bloom, as you know, probably in early, mid-May, June. That's when hydrangeas bloom. What we're seeing, if you see a big green shrub with big green flowers, chartreuse green flowers, that is a viburnum. In fact, in just a few days, all those green flowers will turn white and we'll know then why it's called this snowball viburnum. And you'll notice them all over Atlanta right now. Again, green, green, green as they can be, but then in a few days the flowers will turn white. They're a very statuesque, very attractive shrub. They're not small. You'll need to have some room if you plant one, but I have one in the backyard and it looks great right now. Snowball viburnum. I mentioned last week that if you see a tree that has flowers along the stem, Pink flowers, purple flowers, pink and purple, I guess, are the two dominant colors. That is more than likely a red bud. And I have a rising sun red bud that I planted last year in my front yard by the street. And it is covered, covered in purple flowers up and down the stem along the twigs, just a solid mass of flowers. And then a little bit later in the uh, spring, the leaves will come out. They'll be sort of a yellow, orange, pink color as they come out. Gorgeous tree rising sun red bud but the other tree that has pink flowers and they're well pink and purple too i guess they have the flowers out on the tips of the branches 
The flower is about three inches high, three inches wide. That is a saucer magnolia. It's a magnolia. It's akin to the southern magnolia, the evergreen magnolia. And the saucer magnolia is deciduous, meaning it loses its leaves in the wintertime. So you may not even notice that it's there most of the year because the leaves are not that distinctive. And during the wintertime, it has no leaves on it. But in the spring, every year in February, early, early March, those pink purple flowers come out on the saucer magnolia. Some years you have a big frost just after the flowers emerge. And if you have a frost just after the flowers emerge, you have these big masses of brown jelly goo at the end of the, of the branches on the saucer magnolia. Another slightly smaller shrub you see blooming right now, white flowers, looks like a, like a star really. They're the star magnolia. Again, a deciduous magnolia, loses its leaves in the wintertime but the star magnolia is also blooming right now. What do you see? If you see the yellow flowering tree outside, you think you see a flower on a tree is about 20, 30 feet high. And you think of what tree would have yellow flowers on it in the spring? What in the world could that be? Well, more than likely it's the Carolina jessamine vine that has climbed a tree and is blooming, looking for the sunshine. And that is another one that's commonly easily seen, but it's a little, uh, fooler there because of the yellow flowers so high in the in the sky but they're usually the vine carolina jessamine that has bloomed on a tree it's 612 at news talk wsb we go to the phones again 404-872-0750 our first caller this morning down in griffin georgia our friend nicole good morning nicole mr reed Miss nicole how are you fine fine are you good. still kissing your bed <laughs> After I returned from Vietnam and uh, you know, recovering from pneumonia, which I think I'm almost recovered from now, I stopped kissing my bed about the second night, I guess, but it's very, very comfortable to be in my own bed after being in Vietnam for three weeks. Yes, it's safe, warm, and love, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hear the birds singing outside my back door, and uh, it's great to be home. Yes. Um, tell me about the landscape of uh, Vietnam. It's interesting, Nicole, that the landscaping, frankly, I did not see that many private homes with landscapes. We didn't really go to the residential parts of Saigon or Phnom Penh in Cambodia. What we saw more than anything, I guess, if you'd call it good landscaping, was around government buildings, some, not a lot, but some government buildings has some landscaping around them mostly tropical trees as you can imagine mostly trees that um, were have big leaves on them, figs and things like that not that many flowering landscape trees in formal gardens on the other hand around as you just drove down the streets and cities in the cities and from the bus windows you could see flowering trees all over many of which frankly i didn't recognize because i don't know tropical plants that well but the landscaping there is not at all like you see in the states or in england or or over in Europe because there's just not that much emphasis on formal landscaping there. So how do they grow their food? Oh boy, that is one of the most fascinating things of the whole trip to Vietnam was how do they grow their food? And of course, Nicole, you know that in Southeast Asia and most parts of that, of that part of the world, rice is the staple food, right? And so you have to have somebody growing a whale of a lot of rice over there for people to eat. 
And it was so fascinating to see those rice fields just stretching for miles and miles, as far as you can see, away from the bus and then alongside the bus. And a lot of people had little rice paddies behind their house where they grew their own rice for their family, but also harvested it to, um, to, to, to sell, to give to the wholesaler who they would dry the rice on little blue tarps in front of their house. And every once in a while, you'd pass somebody who was stirring the rice to dry it completely. And so rice is the most common thing that would be grown there as a, as a food crop. You saw mangoes, papaya, uh, some citrus, I guess. There was a, uh, what's it called, devil fruit, or something like that we saw at one place. But mostly rice, everywhere rice. So it's flat and have 120 inches of water yeah. every year, probably lots more. Lots and lots. So that's where the... Um, the water accumulate because it's flat land, isn't it? Yeah, right. How far, it just spreads how far out. Is the ocean. You know that we never got to the ocean. Of course, we were in the Mekong River and the Mekong River deltas, where we were mostly traveling when we were in South Vietnam. Um, but the interesting thing I think about the Mekong River delta is how flat it is, just as you said, very flat. And along the Mekong River, when it rains up in the mountains the Mekong can rise as much as eight or 10 feet. And so all the houses alongside the river were on stilts, big one room houses usually on um, telephone pole pilings on stilts, you know, so they could uh, avoid being flooded. And you just can't imagine how much water it would take to fill the river because we were there at the dry season. So it's down eight or 10 feet, but you can't imagine what it must feel like to have all that water come rushing down the river underneath your house and you're just right there above it. At this point in, in, in our trip, of course, people were eight or 10 feet above, they went up the steps to get to the house, but then they could just pull their boat right up to the front door if it's flooding. Oh, they travel by boat a lot though. Yeah, oh man, yes, you bet. Boat, because it's so flat, <clears throat> then the, because the ground is so marshy and so um, you know, un, unsuitable for road work, then boat, boats are the main way people get around. They have flat boats and big boats that uh, go up and down the river to carry food, rice, and commodities and stuff like that. But it was very interesting to see the sort of the way their society is organized for commerce versus our society. Their commerce society, everybody in God's green earth has got a little store, has got a little shack, a little restaurant, a little gas station. They sell gas, <laughs> Nicole, in uh, Coke bottles. <laughs> so they take a Coke bottle, empty it and clean it, I guess. And then they line up five or six Coke bottles full of, I guess, two liter of gasoline. And they have a little sign, hand painted sign saying, you know, gasoline so much per liter here. And I found that very interesting. They don't have gas stations per se in a lot of uh, Vietnam. They have little entrepreneurs who somehow get this gasoline, put it in two liter bottles and sell it right off the side of the road. Anything to survive, isn't it? Yeah, anything to survive. But Vietnam in particular, a very entrepreneurial company, a, a place where everybody is trying to make a little bit of money, which is to be admired. We love that in the U.S., of course. Capitalism is uh, part of the communist system, I guess, in uh, Vietnam. That they have capitalism, that people can do their own little things and make money doing it. And the government takes care of the sort of big issues like education and medicine and uh, social security and things like that. So is there, uh, it's got to be a jungle somewhere, doesn't it? Yeah, well, we went through some of the jungle, not so much of the heavy jungle like the Amazon last year, but there was plenty of 
heavy vine and tree and growth and things you can see if you got out away from the highway for oh, 50 yards or so you'd be in very dense growth and you'd be in a you know in a jungle-like environment yeah yeah because we, tree tree will not grow in the in the water isn't yeah it? right some of the trees have you know they'll tolerate water but a lot of the trees like to be a little bit higher a little bit uh, on little bluffs and things above the water Nicole, I can see by the time that I need to get out of here, but it's such a great pleasure to talk to you again. I hope that you have great trips in the next week or two, and I get to see you next Saturday. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your day, too. We'll see you soon. The 619, we'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after this. This is Scott Slade from Atlanta's Morning News on WSB. Our 24-hour news center delivers updates all weekend. Depend on it. We'll be here Monday morning, 4.30 till 9, for breaking news and traffic and weather every six minutes. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Today, the weather will be pretty nice outside. High of 69 degrees, low tonight, 46 degrees. Sunday, high of 72, low of 54, with a 20% chance to shower Sunday night, maybe. But a really, really nice weekend to garden, to get out and get things planted. And by the way, you might want to take a look at the Pike Nursery website because there is a real reason to go to Pike this weekend. Mickey Gasaway will be with me at 8.35, and we'll talk a little bit about what's on sale. We're broadcasting live, of course, from the Spring Atlanta Home Show, Cobb Gallery. We already have people arrived here who know they get here before 9 o'clock, know the password, floor and decor, and get in for free. Jean is in Bremen, Georgia. Or Jean, I should say, is in Bremen, Georgia. Hey, Jean, good morning. Good morning. What's going on? I was cleaning out around. We have a variegated dogwood. Yeah. And it's been beautiful, but I was cleaning all out, putting new mulch and stuff, and I noticed there's some gray scale-like on the bottom, some next to the trunk hmm. of the tree and a little bit on the trunk. Is that bad? When you I say scale-like stuff is on the ground or on what's it on specifically? On, on the trunk of the tree yeah. up around the bottom limbs and there's a little bit on the bottom limbs of the tree. Oh, it's not that just, real bad. It's, but I it sounds it like lichens to me. Lichens are common uh, creatures is not the right word. They're common organisms, I guess is the right word, that love to grow on tree bark. And when a tree gets older, I don't know how old your tree is, June, but it's, it's not... Old. Yeah, okay, the old trees, <laughs> the bark doesn't expand quite as much as it does when it's young. And so the lichens get a way to hold on to the bark and grow there. They don't hurt the tree at all. They just like to grow on well, bark, and when the bark doesn't slough off, they stay there. Well, this is like you could peel some of the stuff off. Yeah. In big old flakes like. Sure. Are they something I can stop that? No, not really, because again, it doesn't hurt the tree. Oh, and it won't die. No, oh, it might die from other things, but it's not from the lichens. They don't do a thing about it uh, for the health of the tree. The main thing that the lichens are showing, I guess, Gene, is that the tree is a little thinner than it used to be. There's not quite as many leaves on it as there used to be. And so the lichens are able to take advantage of the increased light levels underneath the tree and growing on that nice substrate, the bark on the tree too. It's just a place where the lichens like to live, and so you just 
leave them alone. Don't worry about that. Worry about the health of the tree. Fertilize the tree a little bit, water it appropriately, mulch underneath it as well, and you should have a nice tree and less likely if they worry you. Thanks for calling, Gene. In the next half hour, Chris in Covington wants to know about fake rubber mulch. And I really want to talk to him about that. Pat in Buford wants to have a, some advice about a tree that was taken down. You can join us, 404-872-0750. We'll be back after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.37 on a Saturday morning. We're broadcasting live this morning from the Spring Atlanta Home Show at the Cobb Galleria. People are filtering in already this morning, knowing that if they get here before 9 o'clock, the Cobb Galleria here in Cobb County, if they get here before 9 o'clock, know the password, which is floor and decor, then you get into the whole home show itself for free, no ticket needed, at 10 o'clock. 404-872-0750 is the number on Lawn and Garden. Chris is out in Covington and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Chris, good morning. Hi, right, Walter. How you doing? Doing all right. What you need, Chris? Well, I was at Walmart looking at uh, either pine straw or what my wife and I did last year was that black mulch, and we saw the V-Gros rubber mulch for, yeah. like, yeah, I think it's it's almost $6, so it's only 2 2 or $3 more but supposedly lasts up to 12 years, and the numbers don't add up. Do you think it's a good idea for me to be throwing rubber on top of my flowers? No. <laughs> One word answer, Chris. No. I'm not a fan of rubber mulch. I'll give you a couple of reasons why. One, and this is for me the most important one, mulch should feed the soil. That's what mulch does. 50% of the utility of mulch is simply decomposing and letting the nutrients and organic matter enrich the soil underneath it. Rubber mm -hmm. doesn't do that. And so that's the biggest strike in my book against rubber mulch. But there are two or three more that I worry about. One of them is I'm not convinced that they're not chemicals that get, can't be washed out of the rubber mulch over time as rain comes down and as it decomposes over a 10 or 12 year lifespan. I worry a little bit about its flammability because there have been instances where rubber mulch has caught on fire at, at um, playgrounds and things. Oh, really? And uh, in a garden, it just doesn't seem to me to put something unnatural in a garden. In yeah, a landscape, maybe, but I'm still thinking you need something natural. Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate your time, Walter. Thank you. All right, Chris. Thanks for calling. And again, there may be a case where rubber mulch could be used successfully where it's not going to hurt the soil, where it's not going to be something that's bad for the soil, but in a garden, in a landscape, in most cases, I just don't think that's the right way to go. Pat is up in Buford, Georgia, and joins us. Hey, Pat, good morning. Good morning, Walter, and welcome hey. back from your trip, and I'm oh, glad you, you're back getting in the, in the uh, healthy range again. <laughs> I am, too. What's going on with your trees, Pat? Well, about a year and a half ago, Walter, we had a giant poplar taken down in our backyard because over about a two- or three-year period, it started leaning towards uh, one of my neighbor's houses. And so the arborist came in, and he said, man, it shouldn't change that rapidly. Let's take it down. Okay. Um, my, my backyard is about 30 to 40 degrees steep. 
they couldn't bring in their equipment to remove the tree because they would have had to drive right over my septic tank. So they had to leave it in the backyard. My question is, is there anything I can sprinkle on it or spray on it to kind of help it decompose faster? Mm-hmm. Because it's too big for me to try to burn. Um, wow. And, uh, and it's kind of unsightly. Now, it's laying in kind of a ditch that has English ivy, and I was yeah. hoping the English ivy would grow over it. And it started to last year, but then it just kind of stopped. And, and uh, you know, maybe I, maybe I need to fertilize the English ivy, you know, something to kind of cover it up because it's just kind of unsightly. I think your second idea is the best idea, Pat. There is not We're- anything you can sprinkle on the stump, on the trunk there. That'll make it decompose much faster than it will by just Mother Nature raining on it, natural processes, termites, and things like that to decompose oh. it. Okay. So no special stump decomposer chemical, to my knowledge, is available. On the other hand, your idea of beautifying it, having something grow on top of it, I think is a great one. And the vine that I would use maybe rather than, rather than English ivy would be Carolina jessamine, the yellow flowering vine blooming right now because it is so fast. It grows like crazy. Okay. So just plant one or two of those at either end of the stump or whatever area you want to cover, and you'll have a fast-growing vine covering up that stump by the end of the summer, and next spring it'll bloom yellow. It'll look nice. Excellent. Carolina jasmine. You got it. Jessamine okay, is really heading- the way you pronounce it, but uh, Jasmine, if you want to. <laughs> Either way, it's a yellow flowered vine. It's available right now. Any nursery you go into, I think it's the best way to go. Thank you, Walter. I'm heading for Pikes as soon as they open. <laughs> That's great, Pat. Thanks for calling. We'll see you soon. 404-872-0750 gets you in to take Pat's place. Judge up in Dawsonville joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Judd, good morning. Good morning. Hey, last year I put I, last year I put in a new Zeon Zoysia lawn, and at the end of the year I think I mowed it to about two inches, maybe two and a half inches. I can't remember, mm-hmm. but I was told that I should scalp it this spring. Is there a reason to scalp it, and if so, what is the reason? Mm. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I'm silent because I'm thinking. <laughs> you hear the marbles running around inside of my brain here, Judd. <laughs> There are cases, let's see, I'll I'll try to thread the needle here a little bit. There are cases where I think a lawn or a commercial property that has zoysia on it or Bermuda could be scalped and would be to an advantage. The biggest thing about scalping is it allows the soil to warm up faster and the grass green faster too. So some places you want that to happen. On the other hand, if you have any doubt that the weather is going to change, if you have any fear that it's going to be down to freezing between now and uh, three weeks from now, don't scalp because you run a real risk of freezing some of the crowns of your, of your zoysia grass out in Bermuda as well. So you don't have to do it. If you don't want to do it, there's no reason to do it. But if you feel like I would like a nice green uh, environment in front of my office or in front of my golf course or if you just want to be the first person in the neighborhood to have a green zoysia lawn, if you want to do, okay. take it down to about an inch with your lawnmower and um, be a little bit shorter than it is now. Okay. Thank you so much. One more thing, Judd. Do not yeah. burn it. I don't care who says burn it. Don't you dare get a match and go outside and try to burn that zoysia down, or Bermuda for that matter. Do not burn lawns. That's dumb. I heard it makes it look really nice and green, though. 
well, yeah, after about a week when it's black for, to begin with from all that ash, you run the risk of setting your house on fire. Why do it? You don't need to do it. Don't do it. I'm just going to, I was adamant about that as I am about murdering crepe myrtles. Don't burn your lawn. It is not a smart thing to do. Insurance man, insurance woman would tell you that risk is there. You assume the risk when you like that match and say, I just think I'll burn a little bit of my lawn here. Great. And then you set the mulch on fire, set the garage on fire, set the pergola on fire. No, we do not burn lawns. John's out in Covington in Newton County and joins us on Lawn and Garden. What are you building, John? Good morning, John. Uh, hey. It's a specialty project. I won't get into a lot of the detail. I don't want to take up a whole lot of your time. But I am, right. uh, I've got a box. Let's just call it a box. It's, let's say, uh, uh, about a 24 by 36. And I'm wanting to plant some uh, uh, assorted type of flowers in it. In other yeah. words, what I'm asking you is uh, what would be the a good depth for your basic standard type of flower that maybe something you'd put in a, uh, a pot? Yeah. Uh, what what would be the uh, a good depth uh, that the roots could be happy with and so forth? And, I think uh, ten inches. Ten inches seems fine to me, John. Twelve, maybe if you think you might ever put a little shrub in there, a little boxwood or something. But ten inches should take care of most annuals and perennials. And you know, part of the reason for having depth and and volume of soil in a container is moisture is you want some some kind of material in the container soil that will hold moisture for more than just a couple of hours you want it to hold moisture for a couple of days when you, you know, water in between uh in between uh, watering times so i think 10 inches would be fine 12 inches maybe but anything below below 12 inches really the roots will never get down that deep so don't worry about anything beyond 12. 10 i think though would be fine Okay, thank you for that. Also, right. another quick one is, uh, what is the best time of the year to plant zoysia grass? The seed or the sod? Seed. Seed. Uh, it's got to be warm, nice and warm. Middle May would be terrific. Okay. I sod, think a little bit earlier. I think sod could go down probably the latter, last week in April. But the seed, just because zoysia seed, you want it to germinate quickly, and it's a little slow, I think. If it's not pretty warm outside, so middle of May would be just about right for zoysia seed. Okay, thank you very much, Walter. I enjoy your show a lot. Hey, man, it's great talking to you. John, thanks for calling. Don't forget, tomorrow, my friends, is Sunday. What happens on Sunday? I go out to the front door and look, and there's a great big Atlanta Journal-Constitution issue right there by my front door. And I go inside and spend most of the morning reading the paper, finding out what happened during the previous week, seeing some of the investigative things that the AJC does. And I really enjoy having something that sort of summarizes the week's news. The AJC is something I have subscribed to now for 53, three or four years. I have been a subscriber, and my parents before me, so gosh knows we've been a loyal subscribers to the Atlanta paper for a long, long time. And don't forget, one of the things you get on Thursday, Nuggets of Garden Wisdom, the gardening column that I do every Thursday is in the Thursday paper in the living section, and you get that as well. You can subscribe for a set number of days during the week. You can subscribe just to the Sunday edition, but you can go to, w, go to AJC.com and get more details. They're compelling, they're complete, and they're my source of news every week. 
It's 647 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. Quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Today is going to be a nice day. 69 degrees is a high, 46 overnight. Tomorrow, even better. High of 72, low of 54. 20% chance of showers tomorrow night, maybe. Boy, that's going to be a nice weekend, and this is a great weekend to go to Pike Nursery. They have got a lot of things on sale this weekend, as well as lunch, if I'm not mistaken. Stay tuned for that at 835 this morning. This is Lawn and Garden. Of course, we're broadcasting live this morning from the Cobb Galleria. Come down to the Spring Home Show. They have everybody here at 10 o'clock when the show opens who wants to sell you stuff to make your home, your landscape, interior, and exterior look great. And we'll be here this morning until 9 o'clock. Dave Baker will be here at 9 to go until 10 o'clock. You get here before 9, know the password, floor and decor. You get into the home show for free. Coach to us on the phone, Bobby up in Kennesaw has a question about okra. Hey, Bobby, good morning. Hey. Good morning, Walter. How are you doing today? Man, I'm fine, Bobby. What you got? Uh, when I was young, I had a big, full garden, and now I've retired, and now I want to I want to put something back in my garden. Uh, I have been planting uh, plenty of tomatoes, but I want to go back to planting some or uh, some okra, and I, yeah. I don't remember how I did it. Oh, it's uh, easy, okra. I know, I I know, but. I remember putting it in a freezer and freezing it before I planted it. <laughs> Bobby, then okay. that is an interesting memory you have because that is one of the things that people, have, gardeners have noted for years and years and years, that okra seeds don't germinate readily. Sometimes they need a little mm -hmm. push. And so gardeners have done things like you just described. They freeze the seeds. They put them in mm -hmm. of all things in bleach water. Sometimes they put them in battery acid once in a while. I've heard people doing that. <laughs> but... Frankly, I did an experiment for television about eight years ago now and had four separate containers and I put four different treatments or I put three treatments in one control where I did nothing to it. It was just about the same for all of them, Bobby. Oh, so I can't no. say that freezing is the best thing to do or put them in light bleach water or anything else. It just seems like it's just slow. And the only thing that I found that made it speed up just a little bit was to cover the um, the row of okra, if it's not too long, with a plank, of all things, a wooden plank, and the warmth mm -hmm. and you know, the uniformity of moisture maybe underneath that plank made the okra seed germinate pretty uniform. Wow. That's what I wanted. Wow. Now, now, what time of year do I need to plant this? Early, well, I would say early summer, so sometime around the whew, middle of May, first week of May, don't Okay. Don't do it when it's cool. So cool soil is not great for okra. It's a warm season thing, and like tomatoes right. and I corn, it needs remember, nice warm soil. I remember, I remember getting product years ago, late in the year, and uh, and okra be standing up six foot tall. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah. And yep. you know, Bobby, thinking, okay. speaking of that, if you want to prune okra, people do not realize who grow okra that you don't have to let it grow to six and eight and ten, twelve feet oh, tall. Okay. You can prune it when it's about. 
Oh, I guess head high. When it's just about too high for you to cut the paws off of it, go ahead and prune it down to just above a big healthy leaf around belt buckle height or a little bit lower than your belt buckle. Wait two weeks. It'll sprout two at least limbs from that point. Each one of those okay. limbs will have more pods of okra on that, and you'll get another harvest of okra between then and the fall frost. So you can prune okra, and you'll get a lot more okra pods on it. Just uh, yeah, wait till it gets too high, and then prune it down. Let that be the way to keep the okra inside so you can reach the pods. 404-872-0750 gets you in to take Bobby's place. This is Lawn and Garden. We're broadcasting live from the Spring Atlanta home show at the Cobb Galleria. We'll be back after news. 